0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hey, everyone. I wanted to leave today's episode completely uh, free of any sort of announcements or updates or anything like that because it's a very special episode to me. So um, I'm going to share them with you right now. And really, the one thing that I want to announce is that a friend of mine, her name is Dara, she's created a really awesome virtual summit called Life by Design not by default. And I'm excited to share it with you because I had the privilege of being a part of it. So this, this virtual summit, what she's done is she has interviewed tons of amazing people. <laughs> she's got 45 different speakers that are going to be talking on all sorts of topics over the next three days, starting September 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's over 20 hours of content. And I was asked to talk about relationships and to talk about love. And I really think you guys are going to enjoy uh, my segment, along with all the other people's. And it's totally free. It's one hundred percent free for you to tune in while it's happening live. So you can tune in starting tomorrow, September twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. One hundred percent free. And you know there are tons of other amazing speakers. Um, this whole thing, this virtual summit, is being headlined. By Deepak Chopra, Jen Sincero, Adam Grant, Kat Cole, and Ronnie Turiyoff. and I'm super excited about what Ronnie Turioff has to say because he is a former NBA player and he played with the Lakers, and the Lakers are my team, so I'm excited to tune in. Uh, but I mean, like Deepak Chopra, come on, this is this is super cool, um, and it's totally free. You can tune in. Uh, you can find more information at the website, which is lifebydesignsummit.com. Again, that's www.lifebydesignsummit.com where you can sign up. Uh, It starts again tomorrow, September 12th, so go check it out. Welcome to the Having It All podcast, the show about what it takes to live an abundant, loving life. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I'm helping you get out of your head so that you can truly have it all. Let's do it. Welcome to the Having It All podcast. My name is Matthew Bivens, and I am so honored that you would spend some time with me today on this very, very special episode of the podcast. So today is Tuesday, September 11th, 2018, and that means it is Maya's birthday, Maya turns two today, two years old. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible to say that. I got a two-year-old. And to mark the occasion, I wanted to, and I'm going to, share Maya's birth story with all of you because, man, so, so much of who I am today can be linked back to what went down two years ago this morning. And right now I've got some some, uh, some tears in my eyes, and I'm a little choked up because right before pressing play, I watched the videos of Maya's birth, uh, particularly the moment when uh, Sarah pushed her out into the world and birthed her. And I mean, I don't watch those videos very often because they just... I don't really know why, honestly. Um, but every time I do watch them, I I just get hit, I just get hit with such strong and immediate emotion. It's incredible. And um, you may not know that Maya was born at home. We did a home birth with Maya. So in the house that I'm recording in right now, she was she was born just down the hallway, uh, in our master bedroom. And so the videos we have, it's it's uh, some of our friends who were there. Uh, recording the event. They were right up in there. So it's uh, it's a really fantastic uh, capture of such an amazing moment. So I'm feeling it a little bit right now, but that's perfect because I I really wanted to have that sort of energy lingering as I told Maya's birth story. And I don't have any uh, magic or listener love in this because I just wanted to flow right into it. So it's 9.20 a.m. right now, and Maya was born around 10.40, if I'm remembering correctly. So right about now, two years ago, um Sarah had not yet begun pushing. She pushed for about 45 minutes. Um So we were in those final, final st- <clears throat> stages of, you know, that active labor. And, oh, okay, I'll take it back. I'll take it back to... um the day before. So September 10th was a Saturday, and we did our normal Saturday routine. We went to our, uh, our group run in the morning. Sarah didn't run. She hung out in the gym while the rest of us ran. Uh, and then while we were there, we, were, we saw one of our dear friends who is an OBGYN, and she gave us the recommendation because she knew that we were at the very end of our pregnancy. She gave us a recommendation of having sex, and sometimes that can help get things moving. So after the run, we went home. We had some amazing sex, uh, which is such a, it's a beautiful thing, uh, making love to, to a woman who's pregnant with that belly and just the body that is, uh, that is carrying life and sustaining life. It's a really amazing thing. Uh, so any men out there who felt intimidated by that, I'm just saying it's, it's a beautiful experience. So we did that. Um, And then I don't remember what else we did. uh, But that evening, we had a concert to go to. It was the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra playing the music of John Williams. And John Williams is the one who's done movies like um, Star Wars, and and so many others. So we went to that concert. And throughout the day, kind of leading up to the concert, Sarah was feeling um, a tightness in her belly. And looking back, Now, what we realize is those were some some contractions that she was experiencing. So labor had started during the day, but we didn't know. So we're at the concert, and uh, it's very hot. You know, it's a September day in Atlanta. It's pretty warm that night. Um, We had nice seats up near the front. We had a table. We had some accommodations to help us get from the parking lot into the concert. We had a little golf cart come pick us up, which was nice. You know, there's some uh, really, really great things. People will kind of go out of their way to, uh, to accommodate and make, um, pregnant mamas feel, feel great. And if they don't, they should. <laughs> There's a lot of amazing things happening in that body and it deserves to be honored. And, um, so we had folks who were helping us out and just, you know, doing what they could to make us feel comfortable. And after the concert wrapped, we left right, I think right near the end, um, before it had, had finally wrapped cause we wanted to beat traffic. And, as soon as we got back into the car, Sarah was like, okay, something's going on. And it's around 10 p.m. at this point on, on, thir- on uh, Saturday. And we just started, you know, the contractions were now starting to, to move from uncomfortable into slightly uh, painful for her. And they were much more noticeable. So we're still not quite sure. I know for me, I'm like, I don't really know if this is if this is it, if things are starting, but um, we went home, and we got home, uh, and I believe Sarah went right into the bath, went right into the bathtub, and throughout the entire pregnancy, as well as labor and delivery, um, Sarah felt such a strong sense of peace and comfort in water, so we knew that water was going to play a part in, in our birth, uh, in Maya's birth. And so we get her into the bathtub and it's probably like 10.30, moving towards 11. And after a few minutes of being in, in the tub um, and seeing you know, Sarah flow through what are clearly contractions, uh, we knew it was on. We knew that, that the, uh, the experience had begun and Maya was going to be coming out very shortly. So like I said earlier, we, we had a planned home birth. So, you know, we started out by visiting an OBGYN when we first got pregnant, and we, we visited him for the first three months, um, and then we decided that home birth was the route we wanted to go. So, once we made that decision, we uh, found an amazing midwife, and um, her and her, her, her midwife partner had this awesome practice near our house. And so, you know, for six months leading up until this day, uh, we had been preparing. We had been preparing ourselves um, emotionally. We had been preparing as a couple. Um, Sarah had been preparing physically um, and we had prepared our space. So when we realized that it was go time and things were beginning, uh, the process was beginning, then you know I was simultaneously tending to Sarah and getting things ready in our space. So um, we had a baby pool Sarah wanted to have water as an element in her birth, and our bathtub is not large. We have a pretty standard, tiny bathtub, so uh, we we purchased an inflatable baby pool. I mean, it's exactly what you're what you're envisioning. You know, it was blue and it had fish on it, and uh, it was it was in decent size, but it fit in our master bedroom. So I started kind of gathering things. I started um, getting the towels, and I started, uh, you know. Get it, looking after the food, make sure that we had what we needed, and just kind of being aware of what um, we will need in the coming hours. And for those of you who've never experienced childbirth or have never worked with a midwife, um, when when the the when labor begins, you don't necessarily need to run and do anything because it can take a little while. It can take a number of hours, particularly for first-time mothers. You know, it can be uh, 12, 24-hour labor. So I knew that even though we were were in labor and Sarah was experiencing uh, pressure waves as opposed to contractions, we'll call them pressure waves, that's a a more powerful um, way to call them, to refer to them. And we got that from one of the programs that we did called Hypno Babies. It was really cool. So as Sarah was experiencing these pressure waves, I knew that we had time and I knew that... um, the next few hours were just going to be Sarah and I. And they were amazing. Those those hours from when we returned home from the concert uh, till about three in the morning were some of the most intimate, wonderful, connected moments of time that I've ever spent with another human. And the fact that it, it, it was with you know, my wife and my best friend and my, uh, my funky dance partner for life was just, was just amazing. Um, and it was, because it was so quiet, right? It's, it's 11 PM. Um, the world is quiet and asleep and our house is, is quiet. Um, we had low lighting, so we had candles everywhere. Uh, we had music playing in the bathroom. It was just peaceful. It was so peaceful. And, I would sit there with Sarah and um, stroke her hand or stroke her hair and you know she would ride those pressure waves and as it would build she would she would tap in she would tap in and go inside um, and breathe and flow and do all the things that she had been honestly training for she'd been very intentional about um, her exercise and her breathing and her mindfulness and, and doing things all throughout pregnancy. So as we're sitting in that tub and I'm just there supporting her, just there being with her and that energy, I'm watching her go in, I'm watching her tap in, um, and it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I would jump out of the bathroom here and there to go and make her a peanut butter sandwich or um, bring in some juice or, uh, you know, tend, tend to little things, but the vast majority of the time I was right there.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And one of the times that I did leave the bathroom, um, I went to another part of the house, and I recorded a message to Sarah on my phone because I was just really moved by how she was showing up, and I was just moved by by, by everything um, in that moment. So I grabbed my phone, I opened the voice recorder, um, and I, I recorded this message. Sarah, I just want to say how completely in awe I am of you. I mean, first of all, the fact that you're you were the one who said, Hey, do you want to record this? And you wanting to capture this experience this way is is incredible. But watching you flow through those pressure waves was amazing. And literally as we as we started talking through them and as I talked to you through them and and described them like like those roller coaster waves, you know the way that we had seen people describe. You locked in on it. You locked in on it, and then from that moment on, your the way that you were experiencing them, from my perspective, was in, was totally transformed. You were present. You weren't afraid of them. You were feeling everything, and you were appreciative of it i could just i could see it in your eyes you were like this is this is preparing me to to deliver our daughter and i am i i thought i was i was in awe and in total reverence of you as your divine feminine woman goddess before this whole experience but we've just gotten started and i've it's you've blown my mind You've absolutely blown my mind. Just what you are capable of, I truly had no idea until watching you for these past few hours. I I really had no idea and I couldn't have and we still have a few more hours to go, at least I imagine. And I, I I I think the the bar you're just gonna continue to just blast it so high with your power and your beauty and your courage and your love and I'm humbled that you've chosen me. I'm incredibly inspired to be next to you and with you and very excited, very excited to be leading this family and fanning your flames and you're amazing. And with that, let me get back to you. So that gives you a glimpse into how I was feeling in that moment and, and how I was experiencing Sarah. Sarah, And, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I I can put myself right back into it. Um, even two years later. So for the next few hours, we were in the bathroom and, you know, I was, like I said, I was giving her, uh, food and, and just flowing with her through those pressure waves. And um, I was in touch with our midwives the whole time. Uh, they were asking me to time the contractions and do all that stuff. So we flowed like that for a number of hours until about three in the morning when things started to pick up and the time in between contraction started to get shorter and shorter. And they gave me a target. Um, I don't know if it was like two minutes in between or something like that. Uh, so that when we hit that target, I let them know and they said, they said, okay, we'll head on over. And we had a birth team, we had like an all-star lineup of people who were going to come and support us through Maya's birth, uh, which included our midwife, her name is Debbie, and included um, two uh, assistants, Constance and Lacey, excuse me, Wendy and Lacey, Uh, and then it also included a group of uh, family and friends, so my mother, um, and then one, two, three, four, five of our friends who were there uh, to serve various roles. Some were there to take pictures. Uh, some were there to tend to the animals and to um, make food. Uh, some were there as a support for me because I was very locked in and tuned in with Sarah. So when I needed to take a break or step away, um, they would be there to support me or to fill in. Um, and then you know, someone was there to specifically tend to Sarah. So, you know, we were very intentional with our birth. Um, we were very intentional with everything. And so we we invited these folks to come be a part of it uh, for very specific reasons. So when I contacted Debbie and and she said that she was going to be on her way, um, I let some of the birth team know that uh, they should be standing by their phones because in a few hours they're probably going to get um a message from me that it's time for them to come over. So we have been in the tub for most of this time. Uh, and I want to say that I was filling up the birth tub as well. So at some point, we transitioned from the bathroom into the bedroom um, and, and moved in from the bathtub into the baby pool that was full, filled with the warm water. And It was really in our bedroom that we had um, most of the, the, the scene and the ambiance set. Um, we had some white, uh, like like um, Christmas type lights that were strong around the room, and uh, a, a group of, of Sarah's girlfriends were there uh, had come earlier to decorate the space uh, and to just you know make it feel feminine and powerful and empowering and loving and so we had some decorations some little things kind of hanging from the ceiling uh, and you know that's where where Sarah continued to flow in the birth pool and then when the midwives arrived it was probably around four-ish maybe five-ish um, and it was great you know it was a great feeling to know that they were there because things were definitely um, building. But at the same time, it meant that that intimate space, that intimate time with Sarah um, was complete, you know, because as soon as the midwives came, um, you know, there was just another energy in the room, Um, but it was awesome. And one of the things that really blew my mind, you know, we had been working with them for over six months going to the visits. And by the way, like midwife visits are freaking amazing, Um, hour long, typically an hour long. And you're there with... You know, many times the midwife and then some of their uh, assistant midwives or apprentices, and you just get so much undivided attention that I, you know, just didn't experience when we were in the hospital and with the OB. Um, and you know, my my back, my my family, um, a lot of people, in my family are in the medical world, so I have a glimpse into some of the the behind the scenes of that, and I understand why. Doctors and OBs and, and, and different folks who work out of hospitals um, just can't spend an hour with, with people, with their patients. Um, but that experience that we had with the, with the midwives, we truly valued that they were there for us for as long as we needed. So one of the things that was really interesting is when they arrived, each of them had a duffel bag. And I was like, what is, all, what is all this stuff? And what it was, it was all of their gear, all of the gear that they bring to the 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 birth, um, some of it they know they're going to use. You know, they'll have um, different pads, and they're going to have um, uh, gloves, and they're going to have what are, you know the different things that they'll need for the baby once baby comes out. Um, but then there's so much equipment that is there in case, in case a, a, a litany of things happen. They have all this different equipment that they can use. Oxygen tanks, and um, they had different uh, drugs that they could administer, and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, wow, I never realized that. And it was funny because I had this this stereotype of midwives before we even met them. Right when we first started having the conversation about using a midwife and doing a home birth, I just had this, this viewpoint of somebody who, you know, like very hippie-ish, you know, and I think you can, you get what I'm saying, like that stereotype Stereotypical, like nature-loving person who probably doesn't wear shoes and definitely doesn't wear deodorant. Who you know, eats tree bark and all sorts of ridiculous stuff like that was in my mind, and I was thinking about home birth and midwives. Um, and so when they show up with all this gear and they're like ready to go and they're so equipped and prepared, it was amazing. And you know, we we had created backup plans for everything you know, so plan A was to have Maya at home. If anything went wrong, not even wrong, because what the midwives do is like, they're so trained to be able to detect if something is going slightly um, off path, right? If something's going slightly off plan, then they see it beforehand, well before it becomes anything that would even resemble an emergency. And so plan A was home. Plan B, we had a, a doctor um, the midwives are affiliated with a doctor uh, down in Atlanta. So we had a hospital that we would, we would go to if we needed. Um, and then plan C, there's a hospital like five minutes from our house that if there was a true emergency, we could always go to. So, you know, we had all these backup plans and I knew how prepared everybody was. Uh, but it's, I still was surprised to see all the equipment that they brought. So the midwives show up and they come with their duffel bags and they set up in the room and we don't have a large master bedroom. So at this point, there's five people Sarah, myself, the three midwives, um, a fully inflated baby pool, and three duffel bags worth of stuff. And that pretty much filled up the entire room. So, you know, the 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 role of the midwife is to not do much. You know, they're there as that support. They're there to monitor things, um, but they're, they're there to be hands-off. You know, when everything's flowing as it should, when everything is just, it's just going like clockwork, midwives don't really do anything uh, in terms of um, interventions, in terms of uh, coaching, in terms, you know, they just let mama do it because mamas have, they've got everything they need They've got everything that they need within them to bring this child earth side. And they always have, and they always will. And so the midwives know this. They're so connected. They know this. They understand this. And so they know that when everything is going as it should, when everything is going smoothly, they don't need to do anything. Simply be there. So that's what they did. They were simply there. And... Sarah would flow with her pressure waves and I would be there in the pool. And now that I had an extra set of hands, we could do things like apply pressure to Sarah's um, hips, apply counter pressure and all these different things and techniques to help Sarah flow with the sensations of those pressure waves and the sensations of Maya, you know, shifting and descending and, and um, preparing to be born. Uh, so it was great to have them there for that. Um, and, you know, there was a part of me that definitely... Uh, was grateful to have the professional midwives there. Sort of like, okay, you know, it's they're here. I, I I felt I felt better. I felt more comfortable and confident knowing that they were here as well. So that flowed for a little while, and the whole time, Sarah is just continuing to tap in to her power, and I can just see her riding those pressure waves. You know, they build, they build, they build, they peak it crest, and then starts to come down, and, you know, she, she was just breathing so beautifully, and, you know, so, so present, and, you know, it was just oh, it was so, so incredible to watch. So that continues for a little while, and then um, at some point, I sent out a text to the lead uh, person who was in charge of, like, the, the communication tree with all the friends, and I said, hey, you guys might want to come over, and so, the word went out and one by one over the course of the next hour, maybe people started to, to file in. Um, and like I said, we had a, a healthy birth team um, along with our midwives. So over the course of the next hour, what time is it now? It's probably like six o'clock. The sun's starting to come up, which is really cool. It's like the world is waking up um, as this experience is building and building. Um, people started to arrive. I think my mom was the first one to arrive. Uh, and that was great for me to have her there. So that continues and uh, the rest of the birth team arrives and people are getting into their roles. You know, the the person who we had um, taking footage and filming got her phone out and started taking pictures and started filming. And we have so many pictures and videos from that day. Uh, I have a Google Photos folder and it's just filled. And that's pretty cool. You know, we we, ha- we really documented that experience. Um, even though next time we're going to hire a professional photographer uh, because after doing the Doing It at Home podcast for so long, we've gotten to see and we've seen we've seen so many beautiful professional photos of, of home births um, and births in general. Um, and we've had the the honor of talking with a lot of, of uh, birth photographers. So we know that we want to have a birth photographer at our next birth. So, now it's probably 7, 8 o'clock, and um, Sarah's just flowing. She's doing her thing. And only at one point throughout this entire experience did Sarah tell me that it hurt. Did she express that the sensations that she was feeling um, was pain? And that was when at, at one point, you know, the midwives are, are every hour or so, they're saying, hey, Sarah, you may want to go use the restroom um and so we would help sarah out of the birth tub uh, a couple people and i would you know grasp her under the arms and help her stand up and um walk her out into the bathroom and she was using the bathroom at one point and i was kneeling in front of her and um she just looked at me and i and she she was she had this expression on her face of just um exhaustion she was very tired and she's like it hurts and that was really that was it in terms of expressing that that sentiment that it hurts. And you know, I put my hands on her and I just kinda nodded. I'm just like, You got it. You got this. And um, you know, so it's six, seven o'clock in the morning, and just to set context, you know, we hadn't slept. Sarah hadn't slept. Um, when we got home from the concert, you know, we tried to sleep through pressure waves, but um, they were they were at a decent amount of intensity that Sarah was not able to sleep, so she is exhausted she is exhausted it's you know seven a m she's been up all night. the last meal that she had was probably at seven pm maybe eight p m the previous um night so it's been twelve hours since she's had substantial amount of food um, and all throughout the labor she had been drinking you know coconut water and waters and uh, but wasn't really uh, interested in eating a whole lot, uh, which you know that 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 happens. Um, mamas just don't want to. A lot of times, just don't want to eat during that active labor. So, Sarah was exhausted, and that came into my mind a couple of times. Like you know, the longer this goes, that she she has she hasn't she hasn't really eaten a whole lot, and she hasn't slept. Um, but I knew I knew that Sarah has this other place that she can go to. I've seen her go to this next level place where you don't think that she's got anything left in the tank, but then more and then more and then more. So I had witnessed that before and I knew that, that that was there for her. So when she was expressing that she was tired and when she expressed that she was in pain, you know, I felt my role was simply there to to support and to love. And I wanted her that anytime she looked into my eyes she saw the supreme amount of confidence and love that I had for her, and that would you know she felt that energy I didn't have to say much she felt it so after that um, toilet experience went back into the birth pool, and that's where she spent the majority of her labor save for one uh trip down the hall. The midwives recommended that she try to to walk, uh, which didn't really work out well She ended up uh, vomiting getting sick from that um, and that was the only time she got she vomited as well so after the brief thing, we're back in the birth pool and, and she's just continuing to flow. And you know, now we have so many people in the room that there's definitely um, a buzz, like an excited energy because we know that it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. And around nine, boy, so it's 9.51 right now. I'm looking at my clock. It's 9.51. Um, two years ago, in about 10 minutes, is when we moved Sarah from the birth pool onto a birthing stool. Um, and that's where Debbie, our midwife, said, Sarah, I think, you know, would you like to push? Would you like to try to push? And Sarah was like, okay, yeah. So we moved her onto the birth stool um, at around 10 o'clock. And the birth stool, imagine a chair that has no back and the bottom is cut out. So it's, it's, it's like a you can sit on it and, it you know, it holds your weight. Uh, but there's no back support to it and it kind of has these handles so mama can grab them and really bear down. And so that's what Sarah sat on um, and that's where Sarah pushed. So she's seated on the birth pool. I'm seated behind her on a yoga ball and our uh, main midwife, Debbie, is crouching in front of Sarah and Sarah's legs are open. And Debbie begins coaching Sarah on how to push. And I... Didn't really understand at all that 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 pushing sensation. Although the body will naturally go into it, you kind of have to for for women for mamas like it's not of you have to connect to the muscles that I'm I'm like I'm like contracting my abs and squeezing my butt right now because that's just kind of how I imagine like you have to connect with those muscles that actually push baby out. And what Sarah said afterwards was that. Working on connecting that, it felt like she was going to poop. All right. Like, because that's what you're used to. You're used to like squeezing your, your your sphincter muscles. And so, you know, there was a couple of pushes in the very beginning where Sarah was like trying to figure it out. <clears throat> but when she locked in, when she got it, it was on. Oh, it was so on. And what was really amazing is that the labor process, is truly about surrender. Like when you're riding those pressure waves, when Sarah's riding those pressure waves, she's surrendering. And the greater that extent that she can surrender, the more she can flow with those pressure waves. But pushing, pushing is about tapping into that divine feminine power. The pushing is about the roaring. And Sarah really loved that part because she felt, that she could take an active role, whereas with the contractions you just wait for them to come and they come and you know they swell and she would ride them and then they would go down and she'd be like, Ooh, "Okay, let me collect myself for the next one." But when she was on that birth stool, and she was pushing, she was she was being active, and Sarah can roar. I'm I'm I don't necessarily mean literally, but like or like figuratively, she can just tap in. She has this amazing like i just i just call it a, a feminine divine goddess power um and that was a a, a transformative experience for her uh, obviously the the entire birthing experience was but that pushing and that really going deep so Sarah is now, you know, she's on the birth stool and I'm behind her, and I have my arms on her shoulders, kind of pulling them back because as she's bearing down on this birth stool and as she's roaring, there is an insane amount of strength that she's tapping into. She's like hulking out on this thing. And it's taking so much of my muscle and so much energy for me to be a counter balance to her as she's bearing down and moving forward. I have my arms around her and I'm pulling back and I'm using all my strength to just be that strong like iron block for her to, con- to, to, to bear against. I wanted her to feel like she could really push as I'm holding back behind her and I'm just holding onto her arms. And as I was watching the videos um, before pressing record, uh, we had a lot of videos of that. And it's really cool just to see my arms around her and her just like getting it. So she does this for about 45 minutes on that birth stool. And I don't know how many pushes, I could go back and count, but every single time she pushed, she became stronger. Every single time she pushed, she became more connected. Every single time... She pushed, you know, she roared. She just became more of that that badass that she is. And it was such an amazing experience of her. And I was so close by being right behind her and embracing and I'm feeling the strength of that energy, of that roar. And it completely humbled me. Completely humbled me. So we do that for 45 minutes and... Debbie has, at one point, has her fingers in Sarah's vagina, and she can feel maybe Maya's head. She can feel it, and she's like, Maya, you know, Sarah, you're doing it. That's great. You're doing it, you know, and when Sarah connected to the type of pushing that moves baby through the birth canal, she really connected to it, and so she's moving her through, moving her through, and and, I, and I, see, you know, I see it in the video later, but at the time, I couldn't see anything. I, all I'm doing is I'm going off of Debbie's cues, and she's saying, Sarah, we're a couple of pushes away. And so Sarah bears down, and she pushes, and the head starts to come out. And when the head comes out, you know, behind Debbie, remember, it's it's me, and then Sarah, and then Debbie. But behind Debbie are several of the birth team. There's a couple people behind me, and there's a few more, including, including my mom and the assistant midwives who I can see clearly and they're looking at Sarah and as soon as the head starts to come out, I see it in their face. I see it in their smiles and they go, oh, and they start to get really excited and I know that we're so close, we're so close to meeting our baby girl and so Sarah just locks in and she pushes and she pushes and her head comes out and when Maya's head came out, people in the room just, I, it was, it was incredible. And after one more push, you know, Maya's head came out and I think my mom was said, Sarah, you're doing it. She's almost there, you're doing it. And then another big push and her body comes out. And there's just like this collective cry of the room of the people who are witnessing this experience who are just beyond words. There's beyond words. And tears are coming and there's gasps and there's, you know, there there's there's small cheers. And then Debbie takes Maya and puts her right on Sarah's chest and i and, and i'm I'm standing behind Sarah. my arms are around, now around both of them, and I see baby Maya's face <clears throat> I see her face for the first time. and it was It was incredible. It was incredible. She didn't cry. She didn't have any, uh, she didn't have any cries immediately, and I, I always thought that that's what kids are supposed to do. They're supposed to come out and they're supposed to wail. And the doctor, you know, because I'm, I'm used to to, to seeing this in a the hospital. They might smack them on the butt or do whatever they do. But Maya just, she was just there, right? And and people in the room are 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 shouting and all this and that. And I, I really didn't know. All of the things people were saying until I went back. So I went back and watched the um, the videos later. But when I saw her face, it was just the three of us. It was just myself, Sarah, and Maya. Yeah, those were the only people there.
0: Saving money on exterior wall lights now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun.
1: Sign up now at
0: chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And quickly after she comes out, Debbie notices some bleeding. And so she says, okay, we need to move Sarah to the bed right now. And she said it in a way that there wasn't alarm or panic in her voice. Um, but there was, it was clear that we needed to get Sarah to the bed. So we've got a birth stool in front of us and and towels and different things and people. So people need to kind of scatter and move and, and, uh, and make some way. And Sarah's holding Maya and they move her over to the bed and they lay her down. And when Sarah takes a step forward, I see blood hit the floor. And I said, Oh, wow. Okay. And a little, there was a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. So I started to clear people out. I said, hey, you know, my mom was right there trying to take pictures as Sarah had just laid on the bed with Maya. And I said, hey, mom, let me squeeze in there. And and Debbie and the other midwives are sort of ushering people out of the room because something is going on and Sarah's bleeding. So I just got into dad, protector, husband mode and sarah's laying on the bed maya's on her chest um i laid sort of i wasn't actually laying on sarah's stomach but um i put myself in between sarah maya and the midwives who were working on sarah because if there was something going on i didn't necessarily want sarah to be focused on that i wanted her to just be present with her daughter and she asked me one time is everything okay and i was like yeah everything's fine everything's fine um, I had so much trust in Debbie and, and and Wendy and Lacey that, you know, they knew what to do. They knew how to handle everything. And so I put the, the sight of the blood hitting the floor out of my mind um, because, you know, there's that part of me Like one of my biggest pushbacks to home birth when it was first put on the table was, what if something goes wrong? What if there's an emergency? And seeing the blood... Brought that right back up, like, oh my gosh, okay, this something something is wrong. So, but I knew that me having that sort of energy, me being in that fearful place, was not going to serve this 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 experience. Wasn't going to help anybody. So I went into that place of just supreme love, and I just loved on Sarah and I loved on Maya. And by this point, Maya had made a little whimper. She made her first little whimper, and that was a beautiful thing because, um, you know. I'm expecting babies to cry a lot when they first come out. And and it was always my understanding that a baby crying, it just means that it's healthy and everything's fine. So the fact that Maya was silent, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe there's something going on with Maya as well. So she made her first little whimper, and that just really brought me down and brought me into a place of calm and and really peace. And we just looked at our baby girl and we were, I just said, you did it, Sarah, you did it. And Sarah didn't have a lot of words. She was in this, this drunken state of, of love and, and just hormones that are coursing through her body. And, you know, cause when after, after baby comes out, you know, the, 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 the female's body just sends all these chemicals and does everything. I mean, it's just. It's so crazy. It's so amazing. And so all of that was happening with Sarah, and she was just in this place of peace. And we were just there, the three of us. It felt like just the three of us. And, you know, we were getting to experience our baby girl for the first time. And she hadn't opened her eyes yet. And so after a couple of minutes of that, you know, Debbie uh, let us know what was going on. And what had happened was a combination of things. Sarah had a tear so she tore when, um, as she was pushing and as Maya came out. And then at the same time, because of the color of the blood, the midwives knew that what had happened was it probably part of the placenta from the inside had detached a little bit. And that's where the bleeding was coming from. And so they gave Cher a shot of, uh, I believe it's Pitocin, to stop the bleeding. And um, they kind of cleaned everything up. And she was okay. She was perfectly fine. So after that little um, episode was taken care of, um, it was just, it was just bliss. And I remember standing, you know, and, and, and Ernest, I was kind of crouching by the bed and I was looking at Maya and Sarah, I think was engaged in either drinking some water or um, maybe just had taken a deep breath or closed her eyes. Um, but I was watching Maya and her eyes opened and I got to see her eyes for the first time. And she had these blue-gray eyes. And I was like, Sarah, our baby has blue eyes. And it was so crazy. It was so wild, because never in my life would I thought that i have a blue-eyed baby. And if you all have seen pictures of Maya, she's got this blondish hair and blue eyes. And if you've seen a picture of me, that's not how I look. So I'm like, this is amazing. This is truly amazing. And it was shortly after that moment and when, you know, everything is okay. And I realized every, everyone is, is healthy. And it's like, wow, we did it. I was able to let my protector guard down and just be so vulnerable. And I bawled. And what I did is I felt such an amount of gratitude for every single person in that room because each one of them was a part of this experience and each one of them helped to bring Maya Earthside. And Maya is right there now. You can probably hear in the background. (laughs) But I felt such gratitude for all these people, so I went and I gave each one of them a hug from the bottom of my heart and I just sobbed on each one of their shoulders. And I said, thank you. And I went around the room and I hugged every person and I just cried on them and said, thank you. I was so, so grateful to them. They were a part of the experience. They were, they were a part of all of it. And then after that, I mean, it was, it was just the baby high. I mean, uh, you know, the midwives did a few things. They measured her and weighed her and did all that stuff. And I got to put on her diaper for the first time. And, um, we, we left the, um, the umbilical cord Attached to the placenta, we we left that attached for a while. We wanted Maya to get all the nutrients that she that she needed from the placenta, and so we left that on for well over an hour. And then finally, um, when it was you know when it was all the nutrients had been had been gotten, we uh, I was able to cut the cord, and that was really cool. I didn't know what a cord was gonna feel like uh, when you cut it, but um, we cut the cord. Um, oh, and my and Sarah had birthed the placenta at this time, so um, that was a really amazing sight. By the way, to see a baby, fresh baby, umbilical cord, and the umbilical cord is attached to a placenta, and the placenta was in a bowl. I was like, "This is mind blowing! Like this is nature! Like this, this is just, oh my gosh!" And so, like you just don't, I don't know. I didn't experience any of that stuff. I don't. I never saw any of that stuff in depictions of birth. Depictions of birth are so inaccurate. Oh, my gosh, they're so inaccurate. And they're so dramatized and chaotic and traumatic so often. So I really appreciated that home birth experience because it was so different. You know, and before our our birth experience, I had watched with Sarah, you know, a dozen or so um, videos of home birth. So I, I kind of had an idea of what to expect. But, um, yeah, seeing Maya with the umbilical cord attached to the placenta that was just like a really cool moment for me. Um, so I cut the cord and, you know, they got that all tied up and everything. And um, Maya had the vernix on her. And that's like this, um, it's like this substance that coats them when they're, when they're in the womb. It's like this yellowish substance. And so, you know, when they come out, they kind of have, they have the vernix on them and you just rub it into their skin and it's just, you know, it just kind of um, protects them and, and moisturizes them. So she had a little bit of that on her. And, um, I remember Lacey, she was one of the midwives. She, she says, Hey, do you guys want to see the placenta? And she takes the placenta out of the bowl and kind of lays it out on a towel or on like, um, some like medical sheets on the bed. And this organ is incredible. Oh my gosh. The placenta is so freaking cool. And it's kind of crazy looking to be honest. It's like it's big, it's like a big sack, and I'm going to get graphic, but you know, there's, these, there's like these veins all over it, and it's this deep red, almost brownish color, and um, she says, you know, I'll show you the tree, and she kind of like takes the umbilical cord and, and pulls it in a certain way and opens up the placenta, and it looks exactly like a tree, a tree that all of us have drawn at, when we were kids. It had this trunk, and it had these branches, and it had these, this canopy of leaves. It was so cool. And it's moments like that when you're like, man, all of this stuff is, is so perfectly created. You know, all of this is just so divinely inspired and, and created. And it's perfection. It truly is perfection. So, oh my gosh, that's Maya's birth. I feel so, like, so cool sharing this story with you all on her birthday and, um, yeah, it's ten ten right now. So right now, two years ago, Sarah was pushing and I was going to meet my baby girl shortly. And it's weird. I'm looking outside and I'm like, yeah, this is like the same type of, you know, sunlight, same type of, of weather and same type of stillness. It's still pretty, it's pretty calm here in our neighborhood. I don't. I'm wondering what the neighbors heard, because or what what they were thinking, because you know Sarah's in our master bedroom and um, the windows were open. We only have one window, so the window was open because it had the hose leading from the birth pool out into the you know into the yard, so that when we when we needed to empty the birth pool, we could do that. Um, so the window was open, so that meant for all of Sarah's roars, those primal, natural. Powerful feminine roars as she was bringing Maya Earthside. They went out into the neighborhood. So I'm so curious what somebody stepping out the front door of their house and walking to their car, or going to their mailbox, or doing whatever, um, what they heard and what they thought. So I might I might have to chat with my neighbors and see. Hey, two years ago, do you remember hearing something interesting coming from our house? But yeah. I think that's it. I think I got nothing else for you all. Just the the experience changed me. It changed me. It it um oh my gosh, I got to see how powerful women are, how amazing women are, how strong women are. My gosh, as a man I had such an ego believing that strength is is how many weights I can push. <laughs> that that strength is this toughness that I can stand up to people and whatever. Nah, hell no. Strength is doing what I experienced Sarah do. Strength is doing what I've, I've talked to so many moms and just women in general who know they're about to face something just incredible. And the only thing that can get them through it is themselves. Nobody else in that room could have done it for Sarah. Only she was going to do this. And strength is knowing that and, and knowing that you're going to step into the most challenging experience of your entire life that's going to test you in every way possible emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. It's going to test you and still doing it, still choosing to do it. And then experiencing it once and choosing to do it again. Oh my gosh, y'all are crazy! <laughs> but I know the body just works that way. The body, you know, you, you have this ability to remember all the beautiful things and the things that weren't so great, you may not remember so vividly. And it's so that you'll do it again. And so just, just humbled by the power of women. I just really honored that, you know, I was able to spend those moments with Sarah when it was just her and I and just to be so connected with another person and to be so present. Oh my gosh. When you're experiencing birth, you're so present. Like you know, it's ah, uh, it's amazing. And of course, me becoming a father, right? Like today is a birthday for a number of people. For 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 Maya coming earthside, taking her first breaths. For Sarah becoming a mom and experiencing herself with that power. And for me, becoming a father. And assuming my new role, because Sarah was connected with Maya when, during the pregnancy, they were talking together, they were, they could communicate, they could sense one another. But, you know, for me, it was always through the barrier of Sarah's stomach. But as soon as Maya came out, that connection between Maya and I became very real. Became very real. And all the love that was stored within me, I just, I knew where to put it. And it poured out onto this baby girl. And I'm so, so honored and happy that I had a baby girl. So much. Because I was afraid of that. I was fearful of being a father to a girl. Because of all of the things that we pick up culturally and in society. About what it's like to raise women and raise girls. And I can't tell you how many times people would say things like, Oh, you better get your gun ready. What are you going to do when she becomes a teenager? And even this past weekend, I was at a pool party, which was Maya and I. Sarah was doing something else, so I brought Maya. And I'm talking with uh, two parents of a boy. And the father said, man, I'm so happy that I had a boy because I think it's a lot harder having a girl. And I said, you're right. Because having a girl as a man, you have a huge opportunity to step up and to show her what a true man looks like. And what love from a, tr- from a true man feels like. And I'm so honored that I get a chance to be that man in her life. And that's what I told him. I am so honored that she is going to learn from a powerful, strong, loving, grounded, connected man. So you're right. There's a reason why you had a boy and I had a girl. And I would never change that. I would never change that. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. I love it. And so I got a chance to become that person when Maya was born. And every day, I get a chance again to be that person, to be that powerful man, to be that, that, just to be me, to show up. And I'm so excited to see what she does with her life knowing that she's got just grounded, confident, loving, masculine energy who's got her back, who supports her no matter what, who loves her no matter what. She never has to go and figure out where she's going to get love from. She never has to go and figure out where what men are going to be there for her. Cuz I am consistent. I show up. So she never has to question that and I can't wait to see what this amazing human accomplishes in her, in her life and does and who she becomes because she doesn't have to, to worry about the things that unfortunately so many people do. She doesn't have to get caught up in so many of the things that, that people do get caught up in. So, ah, all right. I'm going to go and, and spend the rest of the day with my family with Sarah, with Maya, celebrating this little, this little monkey kid. We call her, uh, I call her a little monkey, or I call her Maya Bear. Um, celebrating two years of life with her. So thank you all for coming on this journey, this story retelling with me. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me. I didn't really know where this was going to go. Um, didn't really anticipate emotions coming up. Man, it's just it's a touching experience. So thank you. Um, for being there with us in the retelling. Mm. Yeah, all right. I love you. I appreciate you. My name is Matthew Bivens, and here is to you, Having It All. Quick note about the Having It All podcast. I am not a doctor nor a licensed therapist. I'm a guy with a story and a passion for conscious conversation. My thoughts, opinions, and beliefs are my own,